Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It is time for Rochester Today and Tom's here because it's Tuesday. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. What's in that mailbag of yours? Nevada Dan, uh, concerned about elections and, and these uh, mail-in ballots. And he said, no reason people can't vote uh, at, at, the, at the voting poll site uh, unless they can prove that they can't get to the site or they're not well or something. We should have election day, not election month. My sister and her husband live in Arizona. Um, uh, they got absentee ballots. Everybody does. And, and my neighbor got two of them. Uh, he's an honest person, so he didn't vote twice. But uh, uh, th- this has to be resolved. And then from Phil and Linda, Tom, we wrote to our two Minnesota senators. We said, we're tightening our belts for our family. Uh, You all should do it too and not create debt for our children and grandchildren. It's not fair to them uh, with this boondoggle that you passed. Uh, Reverse it, non-defense discretionary spending expenditures. You have the power to make this right. The massive debt, unstable economy must not be passed on to our children. Tell us how you justify this kind of spending that increases our national debt. And by the way, give me a specific reply, not your usual newsletter. And he'll notify us if he gets a sensible answer. I suspect we will not receive a notice. (laughs) (laughs) From Wayne, the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement is in Washington, D.C. It includes a hotel The government of communist China donated $55 million to the center, 30 million to the University of Pennsylvania located in Philadelphia. The Penn Center also received $23 million in anonymous gifts. Who are these donors? The main office of the National Archives is located in Washington, DC. Why didn't people from the Penn Center do their research at the National Archives? And from Rose, I had made a comment about uh, the fractured uh, Republican Party. She said, well, the Democrat House followed Nancy Pelosi in lockstep. Uh, Any Democrat that deviated was ostracized. I like that the Republicans won't necessarily be lockstep, that they will debate everything. They will have a discussion. And uh, if divided means discussions, occur to provide the best answer, I I think that's good. KLS says, uh, Minnesota's congressional Republican uh, Emmer should be influenced by a tougher McCarthy. They cannot dance with the Dems. Uh, They must be uh, stalwart in their views. Uh, Representative Jordan will be tough on his uh, oversight of the Judicial Committee, the Judiciary Committee. Uh, Trump was correct about election crimes. Uh, People like Karl Rove insult election deniers and continue ranting. Uh, Reforms are necessary if Republicans want to win future elections. That's the mailbag, Andrew. Wow. A busy mailbag indeed. 
Mm-hmm. All right, we'll take a break then, and we'll come back and dive into the issues of the day with Tom Olstrom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's Rochester Today here on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. It is Rochester Today, Tuesday. Tom, what's on the top of your mind for things closer to home? (laughs) Okay. Minnesota uh, Chauvin attorney, Derek Chauvin, the Minneapolis police officer that was uh, fired and is serving prison for his handling of the George Floyd incident. His attorney, William Mormon, M-O-H-R-M-A-N, Marmon, I guess it is, contended that the high profile nature of the case rendered Chauvin unable to receive a fair trial. The, the, the fencing, the threats, the, 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 the barbed wire and, and, and uh, the whole city knew what would happen if Chauvin were found innocent. Um, this trial shouldn't have been held in Minneapolis, where the jurors resided and were in great fear, uh, uh, logically. Uh, this, uh, the pretrial publicity, the physical pressure on the courthouse, and uh, some elements of the charges against him uh, are going to be hopefully reviewed uh, and uh, re-adjudicated. I guess the federal charges won't be, but uh, other charges will. Yeah, and the the end result of this is nothing. Uh, he could potentially, I don't know if he can win this case. I think some of the arguments, especially about the change of venue, definitely have merit, especially when you consider the announcement by the city of Minneapolis that it was settling the lawsuit with the family of George Floyd right about the time jury selection was beginning for his trial. Um that seems like disastrous timing as far as legal cases are concerned. Yes. But at the end of the day, if he were to win this appeal and be granted a new trial and have his state prison sentence overturned for murder and manslaughter, he won't get out of prison any sooner because he entered into that plea agreement to the federal charge, which mm-hmm. carries a 21-year prison sentence, and he gave up his right to appeal that because of uh, the the plea agreement. Um, so he won't get out one day sooner because under right. the state of Minnesota, with credit for time served, he'd get a third of his sentence forgiven, and he'd still be in federal prison. Right. So I guess I I don't I don't get it. I guess. Well, maybe a, 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 a maybe a, a moral victory of some kind, but uh, I still think George Floyd killed himself with his medications and uh, Chauvin was following Minneapolis procedure to hold a very violent, strong felon in place. Maybe they should have left him in the car. He would have died there too. But uh, it's uh, anyway, we'll see what happens with that. Um, uh, uh, Asian Americans are getting discriminated against and getting into the fine schools that their performance earns that are being discriminated against so other people can uh, there are violent attacks on Asian Americans, especially in the New York area. And now Minnesota State University, Mankato, s- recently settled a lawsuit with K. Hua Wong, a professor of physics passed over by the Department of Physics and Astronomy for a tenure position. 
He won a $117,000 settlement, and he now works as a physics professor at State University of New York. Uh, uh, he alleged that the hiring commission committee discriminated against him because of his Cantonese accent, one of the languages of China, Cantonese and, you know, Mandarin and others. And uh, he said it was unfair treatment. And, uh, and in the uh, assessment, they said that students had a difficult time understanding him. But the students said he was an excellent teacher. So a victory for him. And he's uh, now a professor elsewhere. Yeah, you pointed out, I read the article about that story as well, and that the student questionnaires taken afterwards, you know, to rate his performance as a, as a professor were very high, and there were really no complaints about their ability to understand what he was saying. But among his peers who were judging him on the basis of this lawsuit, there were, he received demerits, I guess would be the best way to describe it. As you pointed out, because what they say is um, his clarity was lacking during yeah. his presentations, and yeah, yeah. and he made the he made valid points in his lawsuit over the policies of inclusion and diversity within the state university <laughs> system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, from Crime Watch, Minnesota, Rochester drug trafficker sentenced to sixteen and a half years for dealing heroin and meth. Uh, and he had a, a track record of doing these things and, and lenient sentencing. Uh, I won't necessarily try to give his name, but uh, I, I'm pleased with these uh, uh, significant punishments. And, and I still think these drug traffickers should be arrested for uh, almost for murder uh, when their when their clients die or when get sick or the potential of sickness. Uh, I think they're treated too lightly. This person wasn't. Okay, and you bring up an interesting point, Tom, because because there's a push from some of those who would consider more progressive within the correctional judicial system that the drug dealers who sell drugs to people who die of drug overdoses perhaps should not be prosecuted for third-degree murder, which is the case. Uh, if they can prove the case, that is the charge that it carries today is third degree murder, which is a bit above manslaughter. It's mm -hmm. the next step up from manslaughter. And uh, there are those who are considered, quote unquote, experts within the judicial system who are saying that is a miscarriage of justice because these people are victims themselves or some argument based upon that. And I'm like, okie doke. This I don't like where this is going. Um, so don't be surprised if you see that as a proposal at some point here that somehow the dealer who sells the heroin or opioids to the person who's found dead the next morning won't be prosecuted as a criminal. Well, that's I think that should be the case because they are selling a, a lethal product. A, they are. A known lethal product. But what scares me, Tom, and this case is not um, the typical. Uh, this guy was accused of being one of the bigger traffickers, bringing the product in from out of state, perhaps even out of country, and involvement uh, deep in this system of distribution. And he got a fairly lengthy sentence. But when you look at the amount of... Uh, 
methamphetamine, opioids, which includes fentanyl, heroin that's pouring into uh, the state of Minnesota, and even just our little neck of the woods, Rochester, Minnesota, which if you talk to the sheriff, he'll tell you that we've become a fairly significant distribution hub for all of these uh, products, which are claiming young lives at an alarming level, uh, crisis level, some would say. There, there are a heck of a lot of people doing these drugs. I mean, that, that's the one thing you can draw from this. When people going shopping at Target can get caught with a bag filled with 240-some pills of fake Oxy, and uh, you get bus where the guy got caught along Elton Hills Drive during a traffic stop with over 6,000 of these pills. Mm-hmm. They're not bringing in them to store them in their kitchen cupboard. They're they're selling yeah. them at a fairly rapid pace. It's it's pretty yeah. scary when you put it in that perspective how how many people in our local community must be right. addicted to these chemicals. Right. And some members of Congress want to call the drug dealing across the border uh, in Texas and Arizona um, an invasion, a legal invasion and uh, a lethal attack. And they want the uh, US military to be at that border and treat the people who are doing it as invaders, arrest them, even shoot them. Because uh, what a, a thousand, what hundreds of thousands, or I don't know how many, how many people die of, of, of these drugs in America each year. You've pointed out that they are kind of uh, self-motivated victims with their habit, and that's true yeah, too, but, but it's terrible. But also, if you look at the way people, it's, there's a lot of uh, extraordinarily tragic stories about how people became addicts who were not, let's say, recreational drug users. There are people who went in seeking help for pain, chronic pain, after surgeries, after major injuries, car crashes, you name it, and were prescribed these medications at a level that they probably never should have been prescribed and became addicted uh, unknowingly until it was too late. And then next thing you know, uh, their supply of legitimate medication is cut off because of the danger of addiction that is finally recognized. And they're turning to street drugs at that point. Yes. It's a, a horrible, tragic, scary situation out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, one more uh, Minnesota item. A Methodist Hospital employee, that's a Mayo Clinic hospital in Rochester, uh, speaks out against the anti-police art display, as he called it. We carry on the labor and struggle of our ancestors to forge a future free from police violence and the oppression of blacks. He's offended by that. And uh, he said, I have to walk by it every time to get to my workstation. And I've talked to my supervisors about it, and they said, well, we have sympathy for all all people and uh, uh, the, the, these complex issues. But he said, we don't, I don't like it. Some other employees don't like it. And, uh, uh, and he said, uh, uh, some patients are so upset by it, they said they're going to go to another hospital. Really? I had not heard about this. Yeah. Huh. You know where in the hospital it's displayed? Uh, let's see. Uh, let me anti-police art. He said, "I have no way to get to my area unless I walk past these pictures." I've t- I've talked to administrators about it, uh, and uh, 
I've asked to have access to a different entrance. Uh, they refused. I have a family member in law enforcement. I respect him. I fear retaliation from the hospital, if so. I'm going to try to stay anonymous. Uh, uh, but okay. uh, he has spoken out. That doesn't say exactly where it is. Okay, I'll have to do a little research into my own. And there's a photograph with the article of what I quoted. All right. One other state news type item I came across um, yesterday and I thought it was just interesting um, and surprising to me actually last year and even continuing this year the economy is being shaped by a worker shortage um, especially during the pandemic or the trail uh, nearing the end of the pandemic emergency uh, that became the hallmark of what was happening out there in the marketplace was that um, all of these businesses were scrambling to find employees and still are scrambling to find employees. And, and that struggle continues. And that gave a heck of a lot of power to the worker in that situation to negotiate wages and benefits that uh, were <laughs> very beneficial to them. And in fact, on the low end of the wage scale, it was probably the biggest increase in salary benefit packages we've ever seen for those who were working in unskilled labor positions, retail, healthcare, you name it, whatever it may be. Uh, their pay scale went from nine, ten dollars an hour, in some case, to twenty dollars an hour or more. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is the part that surprised me. A report came out that showed union participation continues to fall Mm -hmm. Uh, despite the nurses strike in the Twin Cities uh, a teacher strike in Minneapolis some really high profile um, actions by labor unions I believe the number is we're down to 15% of Minnesotans are members of unions down from 17% two years ago I believe and it translates to the same level at the national scale. Um, despite the economics being in favor of unions today, you would think uh, the union participation continues to decline nationwide and in the state of Minnesota. And in Minnesota, it's significantly lower than it is nationwide. Yeah. Interesting. It is. You're talking about the, the so-called working class because the government employees including teachers are heavily that's true and uh but uh i think i think uh, some people don't like paying the union dues when they see the unions are so political and that the leadership is more radical about things than than they are and and they want to be free of it but yeah there is a contradiction there you're right andy mm-hmm. with that uh, we'll take a break for news and we'll return in a moment with uh, more of Tom Ostrom on Rochester Today. I'm Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. Welcome back to Rochester Today, Tuesday morning. Um, Tom, during the news break, I managed to do a little research. You piqued my curiosity about the uh, anti-police display. And <laughs> thankfully, it wasn't our Methodist hospital. It was uh, there's another Methodist hospital in Minnesota in St. Louis Park in the Twin Cities. And uh, so rest easy, Mayo Clinic administrators. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thanks for checking it out. I reread my uh, source by Haley Feeland twice uh, since I brought it up. And uh, um, uh, let's see. My gosh, there is way, way in the way inside the article. I, I thank you for catching it. It says the hospital is working with the George Floyd Global Memorial and Park Nicollet uh, Foundation uh, uh, for the display. The Park Nicollet Foundation. So that squares with what you found. Thank you. Yeah, because Park Nicollet runs that one in St. Louis Park. Okay. Yeah, that's good. What do we have uh, more on the national scale? Well, uh, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem is attempting to restrict, in fact, outlaw China land purchases uh, in South Dakota, farmland and others. Uh, and, and one China purchase is close to, a, to an air base. But interestingly enough, she's being opposed by special interests, including some farm organizations that want the freedom to sell uh, land to China. Uh, and so she said, uh, says, says special interests and in industry representatives have emerged to try to stop uh, Governor Nome from passing a measure that would restrict the ability of the Chinese Communist Party to make these purchases. And uh, the federal government's trying to do the same. I guess I don't understand this. If, it, if it's not a private Chinese citizen purchasing the land and they, they can prove whatever entity has ties to the Chinese communist government, I, I, I would think that there would be a federal law prohibiting the government of China from purchasing actual land in the United States, other than special circumstances like the construction of a embassy or a consulate or some sort of arrangement like that. But uh, I, I can see where it would be difficult to prohibit a private entity without ties or direct links to the Chinese communist government from doing those sort of purchases as an investment. But if it's a provable link, yeah, I don't outside my area of expertise, but I would have thought that would have already been against the law. Yes, you'd think so. Attorney General Barr was uh, President Trump's uh, attorney general. I don't think he was a good enough wingman for, for Trump. Uh, he was in office when the FBI uh, uh, secured the Hunter uh, Biden laptop. Um, he was in office when the uh, Department of Justice that he headed uh, was getting increasingly politicized. Um, he wasn't sufficient in my mind checking into uh, election irregularities. In fact, he stopped uh, an attorney from checking in, for a state attorney from checking a, a case of a U.S. mail driver who said, I was ordered to take a whole truckload of ballots from one state to another. And Barr called up that attorney and said, you stop this and you stop that man. So, and then Barr was very critical of Trump. But now he's saying... Uh, the most dangerous thing to America is the danger to our democracy, the progressive movement and its censorship and its banning and its threatening of people who have different 
political views. This was this is worse than the age of McCarthy, and uh, and and a reporter he was talking to said, "Would you vote for Trump again if he ran?" And Barr was very critical of January six and and really made Trump look unfit for office. But would you vote for Trump if he ran again? And Barr said, "Well, it's hard for me to see myself voting for." Democrats under the um, extreme political philosophies that they are uh, endangering, uh, endangering our democracy with and what has taken place. And uh, Marr said, are they more dangerous than the guy you actually said tried to steal an election? And Barr said, well, what happens in our country on a daily basis makes the McCarthy era look like Charles, Charles play. I always add quickly, McCarthy was right too, but what he did, the deep state destroyed him for doing it. Uh, that's my opinion. Okay, well, you and I disagree on that, but. Yeah, but, but Barr included, uh, concluded speech is essential to democracy like voting. And uh, so anyway, now he's getting critical uh, of things and you wonder what his game is. He's selling a book, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, another aspect of his book, he was in the Wall Street Journal the other day um, with a piece against the power being consolidated by big tech and how he feels that it's time for Congress and the federal government to act and enact regulations to rein in the powers being exerted by big tech. And part of that comes into the First Amendment right speech portion of it that uh, their ability to exercise controls over what Americans can learn about through their platforms which is becoming monopolistic is worrisome enough that it should be getting the attention of federal regulators and Congress to put in place not just having the Attorney General sue for actual anti-competitive behavior but have a have federal overseers watching over this indus, these industries to make sure that they stay within the lines. It was interesting to hear a Republican arguing for that. Yeah, well, but he wasn't sufficiently diligent on any of those issues when he was Attorney General. That's what interests me now. Your answer probably answers my question. Uh, he's trying to sell. He's got a book. <laughs> but who is he trying to? get the uh, grace of uh, well i'll have to wait and see who buys the book or if it sells all right the supreme court uh marshal chief law enforcement officer um and the supreme court itself and supreme court marshal gail curley said she spoke to the justices in that investigation about the opinion leak uh, on the abortion issue, but she didn't ask the court justices to sign sworn affidavits. They did ask uh, Supreme Court clerks, present and former, to sign such documents. They've asked for the cell phones of some of the clerks, but they, she said, I don't believe it was necessary to ask justices to sign sworn affidavits. Uh, I guess they were questioned, but they were believed that, uh, you know, did the left wing judges, uh, justices release it? Did, did uh, some of their clerks? That's not known. But anyway, the culprit 
has not been uncovered yet. Yeah, somebody's lying, in other words. If everybody but the justices had to put forward a signed affidavit, which is punishable under law as perjury if it's untruthful, <laughs> and they all said it wasn't me, <laughs> if there's somebody who's not telling the truth. Yeah. And it, it raises the possibility one of them may be a justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know if you need to have them sign the affidavit, but uh, I think it would be enough of a scandal if they were discovered to be the leak. Uh, obviously, you could take criminal action against any one of the staffers or clerks or volunteers who have signed the affidavits, but... Um, it seems to me a strange place to stop an investigation if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it's it's a threat to security. And then Justice Kavanaugh's home is being assaulted by demonstrators again, trying to intimidate him. And since uh, some people are critical of Justice Roberts and not pursuing this more uh, vigorously, but uh, we'll see what happens. And then Biden more documents in vulnerable places, including his garage by his car, and an uncovered email, um, according to Gateway Pundit Joe Hoft, names Joe Biden in an oil deal with China and with Hunter. And uh, in 2022, Biden then sold national oil reserves to Hunter-connected Chinese entities that Hunter got paid for. This looks so serious and uh, much more serious than Trump's documents that were locked away. Uh, The Secret Service uh, and the archive said, lock the what you got, Trump, get a better lock on on this, your, your infrastructure. And he did. But the carelessness of Biden and how the media is trying to stick up for him. Uh, and this is not as bad as Trump. Uh, you know, although a couple of Democrat uh, lawmakers have spoken out and said it is serious and it detracts from the uh, the Trump action and it's uh, it's not acceptable. Well, especially if it can be proved that he was sharing classified information with his son for use in his business dealings. I don't know if that can be proved, but that's the, one of the allegations out there. Mm-hmm. And I think what's more harmful for Biden, as far as the optics are concerned, is his facial expressions when he is asked about this. <laughs> yeah, he um, he looks beyond peeved. He he um, he looks very angry that he would dare be questioned. At least that's the take I get from it, from his facial expressions and his body languages. Mm-hmm. More or less, how dare you question me? Right. Especially when he was so vociferous and criticizing Trump for inexcusable carelessness and his document issues. And, and you talk about the carelessness and his answer about the materials found in his garage. It's like, well, is that a locked garage? Yeah. <laughs> With my vet in a locked garage, it's safe there. <laughs> What? Uh, it, it, yeah, it's it's surreal. Some of it, and I, and I, I, he must be, his advisors must be telling him that you're better to keep your mouth shut than address this. Uh, that this will somehow just all go away. 
because, look, we cooperated with them. We're not like Trump where uh, he wouldn't give them back. We invited them. We invited the FBI to come in and look. But it still doesn't erase the central core issue is the reason the law is there is because these materials need to be kept in a safe place so bad actors can't get at them. Mm-hmm. And you, and the reason you don't want them at Mar-a-Lago is the same reason you don't want them stored with your vet in your garage. Yes, that's that's right. And uh, the FBI asked the lawyers, uh, Trump or uh, Biden's lawyers are are looking at these and revealing these. Uh, the FBI evidently asked for permission of the lawyers if they could get involved in this. They didn't have that leeway with Trump when they did the raid on him, but now finally. Uh, Garland, the attorney general, has been criticized enough that uh, the FBI now is involved in the search. But the attorneys for the president are allowed to accompany the FBI during their search, unlike what happened with Trump, where his people were booted out and you had a what you would expect a, a search to be like when somebody's searching for a whole bunch of methamphetamine or heroin in somebody's home. I'm not defending the president in any way, uh, shape, or form because I think the jury is still out on that business. It's former president, but um, it, the the public can't miss the the obvious double standard that's being played out here. All right. Despite the efforts of it, it it's pretty. It's pretty sad to me to see uh, the major network reporters, the lengths that they are going to, oh, yeah, but this is different than the Trump thing. Pay attention to me right now when I'm telling you this is not the same. you got to look at this a different way because in Trump's situation, this is what was happening. Yeah, yeah okay, but it's still the same issue. The reason that mm-hmm. those items are supposed to be collected is to keep them in a safe place so that they don't fall into the hands of our nation's enemies. That's right. And Biden secured these documents when he was even a U.S. senator. Some of them date back to that and and then to his vice presidency. And as vice president, as senator, he shouldn't have them. As vice president, he didn't have the uh, authority to uh, call them declassified. So yeah, you're right. They're stretching it. And then the White House press secretary, and then another White House official, really bawled out the the reporters for even covering it. They said you shouldn't even be covering this. <laughs> if you were covering it, we'd find a way to quash it on social media so nobody could hear about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Enough. We'll take a break, Tom. We'll be back in a moment. Rochester today continues. News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Rochester Today, Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. Tom, what do you have next? Well, you know, I don't think much of General Mark Milley, who has wokeified the the military and, and really did something against Trump dealing with his China counterparts that I think was verges on treason um but now he's in trouble for uh, saying something sensible about the ukraine <laughs> he said it's very difficult to eject russian forces from the ukraine it won't be immediate there also should be negotiations for peace that has occurred in every major war 
Um, so uh, it doesn't mean we don't want Ukraine to win, but it's it's getting more difficult, and there's the danger of escalation. And uh, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of, of Defense, said, uh, well, uh, we will support Ukraine for as long as it takes. But then you got the case of Germany that's reluctant to give uh, the Ukraine its uh, leopard tanks, which are very advanced and very sophisticated. They said it's downing our defense supplies, and we're we're we're, we're thinking about it. And uh, well, part of that though, on that aspect, Tom, I think that the Germans are, um, I think that they're a bit nervous about the idea of these tanks with the German cross on them, which is the same German cross that you saw in World War II and in World War One, marching across the fields of Ukraine. The optics on it are pretty, probably pretty uncomfortable for the Germans. I see. Uh-huh. Well, the Pentagon just is not uh, known for its efficiency, though. Uh, the Pentagon can't account for $220 billion in government property. And over the last few years, it's failed its fifth audit in, in accounting for, for missing funds. Uh, and that comes from the Government Accountability Office. So the Pentagon has its uh, problems. Uh, you wonder if it's time to fire Secretary of Defense Austin or Joint Chiefs uh, Milley in uh, that guy. And that uh, noted political scientist said we're, we're lurching toward nuclear war. Russia will not accept a defeat. Um, uh, in, in the Ukraine, and there's got to be some uh, negotiations, or uh, or this could escalate uh, in, into nuclear war because the fanatical Putin would resort to that rather than be defeated. So some questioning of the Ukraine, and also uh, uh, some lenience toward them, even in uh, checking out the, what they're doing with the weapons, or where all the weapons are going, or what they're doing with the money. But the the war goes on. The war, yeah, unfortunately, the war goes on, and everything you said that General Billy had to say was um, a realistic assessment. You're entrenched on both sides. You have significant defenses built up on both sides in their positions. To dislodge anybody from their positions is going to take an incredible amount of firepower. Um, the casualties are mounting. The Russians are talking about a second mobilization. That could be potentially destabilizing in Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, you already have people being pulled out of prisons and being offered deals that uh, <laughs> you, know, you could have a convicted murderer. I'll pardon you if you go fight in Ukraine for six months. Uh, the Ukrainians are talking about mobilizing uh, a conscription now because of the need to both rest their soldiers and the high casualty rates that they're seeing on the eastern and southern fronts. Our high-tech weapons are beating out the Russian weapons, but the supply chain issue of delivering weapons is far more difficult for us to get them to the battlefield than it is for the Russians to get to the battlefield. So this is a, this is a horrible, horrible, nightmarish mess. And a Russian uh, official said, uh, we will not accept defeat uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, uh, the West has threatened Russia with NATO expansion. The West has said they want to uh, displace Putin, that, that this is an administrative replacement. The West is a severe threat to Russia. Uh, they've, they've admitted they want a government change in Russia, and, and uh, one official said uh, Putin will not accept that.
Oh, and then and then they remember that a Ukraine pro uh, Russian uh, president had power several years ago, and the United States intervened in in an election to have him displaced. So, uh, yeah. But then you wonder, is Putin even in charge anymore? And some people say, is he alive? So, the And Putin's replacement may be even more of a hardliner than Putin himself. And a bit more, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah. a bad, bad situation all around, Tom. Oh. We have to run. So we'll talk to you Thursday. I appreciate it, Tom. You have a, well, have a great day. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Andy. You too. Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's been Rochester Today. News Talk 1340. K-R-O-C-A-M and 96.9 FM.